0: Welcome back to Fitness or Fiction, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the hype of the health and fitness industry.
1: Every week, we dig into a new topic and help you wade through the real information to make solid decisions on your fitness journey. And boom, we're live. Boomski, welcome. Fitness or Fiction. Curtis, are you finally going to tell us how to just increase the range of motion and stop just screwing us around? Just yeah, that's exactly what today's about. What's the answer, and why couldn't you just make a 15 second TikTok on it with a green check mark so that we didn't have to listen to hours of podcasting?
0: Well, you know, a lot of people like just having the quick answers, but there's also a lot of people that want to know why people say those answers. And
1: you're one of those people?
0: Yeah, I'm that guy. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, I well, think this is
1: our final episode
0: on. It's not the final episode on mobility. That stuff's coming back, but it's final. So after going through the first few episodes on mobility, if you've been kind of following along, basically what, what we're talking about is, well, here's here's what these different applications do, and here's what they don't do. And that can be seen as, well, you're not behind that, right? Yeah. That that can be seen as, well, you're against this, but I'm not. There's None of the things we've gone over I'm really against. Curtis, why do you hate static stretching? <laughs> <laughs> no yeah there's
1: all out of everything we did i was kind of just shocked over everything we did and actually research more and more it's just like yeah not as uh, effective as i was led to believe and i'm sure many people were led to believe like everyone i think is down this rabbit hole of like oh muscles tight we'll stretch it out and then people stretch and it doesn't really solve their problems but they either continue doing it or they stop because you know maybe that nagging injury or that nag in the tissue kind of like just kind of went away naturally over time and they're like oh yeah like this muscle felt tight and annoying or had a knot in it so i stretched a couple times and it disappeared so
0: or they just stopped noticing it or they just stopped noticing it it's it's like the old thing you go to the doctor and say it hurts when i do this he's like hey stop doing that yeah people do that they actually do it's like well i don't do that anymore why well it makes my shoulder hurt it's like Let's maybe look into that. So
1: even subconsciously, to that point, though, yeah, they just stop stop doing those movements subconsciously, or just stop uh, whatever activity they're doing. That's
0: exactly what I'm alluding to. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, there's there's some active um, avoidance that you see for sure, but I think more of it is is likely people just kind of adapting to what doesn't effing hurt. Well, yeah, like more and more active active avoidance will
1: eventually turn into subconscious avoidance
0: absolutely so anyways today it actually is not that long of a conversation i don't think because at the end of the day i think that what mobility comes back to is we run into this challenge as coaches and as as general people that are trying to exercise that while this hurts what do i do and we've been sold for a long time well here's what you have to do to go fix it it's like, well, go see this person and they'll fix it for you. Do you think there's a lot of buy-in on that end? Yeah. Like, what, what do you mean? Well, it's like, well, I have a sore shoulder. The chiro's going to fix it for me. Job done. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the general consensus with most injuries. Like, oh, I really need a massage. My masseuse is going to work this out and then I'll feel better.
0: Yeah, so at the end of the day, I think what we need to talk about is it, it's a mindset shift. And getting into the research on this stuff, if you were wondering, like, well, what is the right answer? The right answer is learning how to use your tissues. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's not one of these things where it's like, well, I found this therapy that works. I found that therapy that works. Even if it does work, the long-term solution, really the only thing that's long-term backed, it's not a therapy. It's not an intervention. It is quite literally learning to move your body under control. Yeah. So a lot of my back pain people, they just slap around into other positions really quick. And usually it's because in their in their history, they've been an athlete. And as the function of those joints has changed, they do that. They don't have the stability to do it. So. Mm-hmm. so anyways, what's the real answer? What would you say the real answer is when it's like, okay, the three big questions, how do I warm up? What do I do for exercise? How do I cool down? If I want my joints to be happy, what's your answer? It's a big question, right? Let's start with how do I warm up? Yeah. What would you say? So we went over a lot of stuff that was like this will decrease your actual performance. So what would you do for a warm up? Statically stretch. <laughs> You're trying to hurt me. <laughs> uh, you've been sitting with me for this and you haven't been listening.
1: Yeah, well, doing like a general warm up is something that I want to discuss on a, a completely separate episode because I think that's a, a whole topic in and itself. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't really. Uh, tell somebody to do static stretching but uh i think there's a little bit of value to getting your heart rate up and then uh depending on the like what you're actually what your exercise looks that day i think you need to choose some uh more like more dynamic and controlled exercises that are going to uh complement that day specifically rather than just like doing bench press days so i'm going to do the world's greatest stretch for my hips and like things like that
0: totally yeah i think the right answer uh, as, as right as we can get for warm-up is Get yourself prepared for the positions we're going to be in and the qualities that you need that day yeah so when people say well what you don't stretch well no listen if i'm going to be doing squatting and my ankles are a little stiff i'll do a lot of things with my ankles to get them where they need them to be Mm -hmm. but if my ankles are doing what i need i'm not going to stretch anything i'm going to leave that and i'm going to use it and increase the intensity slowly and get to where i'm going and i've said a lot of times in my entire weightlifting career i did very little stretching yeah. I would take a bar, I'd hold it over my head, I'd drop into the bottom of a squad, I'd get comfortable with the positions I was gonna use, and then I'd start loading up weights. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you didn't go for a run first? I'm like, well, that's not really specific to weightlifting. It's really not. Yeah, Like, if I was cold, I might do some skipping or something, or ride a bike, yeah. if I was cold. But as far as warm up goes, just because there's research that says it'll decrease your performance, does that matter for Joe Blow that's going in to do a workout? No, and a lot of the protocols that they use are like these long, drawn-out stretches. So, no, it doesn't have to be that impactful for Joe Blow. But what I would say is, you know, check in on your body. What ranges are you going to use? Are those available today? And let's start building the qualities that you're going to use. If you're using something ballistic, you might want to start with some low-level stuff and get more and more ballistic as you go. Mm -hmm. So, is there anything you'd add to that? No. So, general mobility training. What do you... In your in your view general mobility training what's what's the best thing to do to make sure that you are maintaining mobility
1: well you have to use the ranges that you already have yeah and use them fully love it that's yeah. uh that's the general well, mobility i guess
0: we're petting the same dog <laughs> i love it is there anything
1: else you would add to that i don't know what you want me to add like what do you want well, me i don't to want add? you to
0: add anything <laughs> I don't know. Are, is this a quiz yeah it is it's pop quiz pop quiz it's a pop quiz nose <laughs> that's from uh, 22 jump street 21 jump street
1: yeah yeah i think so it's generally use the, the range that you have and then i also think that you need to identify if you even need more mobility in certain areas like why are you just chasing excess mobility for the sake of having like having it for no reason that you don't need it
0: yeah one of my favorite statements from functional range conditioning certification that course is very misrepresented online a lot because people are just showing these like fancy ranges that they've achieved and stuff and that's fine Mm -hmm. but andreo spina the guy who made the course stood up in front of us and he's like listen i don't make bendy blanks what i do is i make beasts i don't care if they have more range beyond what they need i'm trying to give them the range that they've required that we've identified they need we're not just doing it for random we're trying to identify what their range is that they require and then we're making them super strong in that range all the way to the end range as as flat as we can make that we're never going to have a flat line as far as control but i want to try to make it so that the entire range is well controlled super strong and that's going to elicit better performances and more safety yeah So, there's some really interesting research. Um, You know, we've tried to keep this relatively focused on on research and articles that actually back up what we're talking about because I really don't like the concept of just kind of spouting opinions because opinions can be worth not very much. Uh, Some opinions are worth more than others, fair. Uh, But at the end of the day, when we look at what the body responds well to, if we're going to be doing mobility training, you get to a range and you're like, oh man, I don't have as much range as I need here. So the first step is, well, you know what? I need to, I need to get that range. So something to understand is that you're always going to have a slight gap between what you can do passively and actively. Mm-hmm. We want that gap to be pretty small, but you're always going to have that gap. So if you want a new range, you're going to have to work on getting that passively first. Yeah then we're gonna have to go through a process to create active range there so there's a nice clean process that you can use and uh... we've got a study up here that talks about the altered neuromuscular function uh, due to eccentrics and i have another one uh... on isometrics where it talks about muscle activations totally different at different lengths and different positions even at knee flexion and this is this is stuff that's really good to know because Okay, I have this passive range. I've I've established the passive range. That's really what static stretching is good for. Mm -hmm. You identify a range that'll help you get there. Fine. Add contractions. It'll be faster and better. Fine. Isometric contractions are what's going to lay down the foundation for awareness and for control in that position. After that, you'd start doing small eccentrics, larger eccentrics, and then you'd start adding concentrics, meaning moving to that space yourself Mm -hmm. and then add challenge that process is so simple actually executing it's harder but really when it comes down to mobility i think it's a bad thing to say well here's all the the limitations of what's out there without saying you know what here's a good way of going about it
1: i think executing it like you said is actually way harder than people anticipate because people have this uh, preconceived notion that when they're chasing mobility or flexibility that they, they just get that nice static, relaxing sensation. Like, you know, to hold a hamstring stretch isn't that that intensive. But uh, when you try to, be like, get into your hamstring flex, stretch and then try to use your hip flexor to, like, pull even more, like, all of a sudden it turns into work versus the relaxing sensation of just stretching.
0: Yeah, and this, this really comes back to training in general. Um, the effort that you're willing to put into something is usually proportionate to what you're going to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Is that a fair statement to make? I think so. I've had a lot of people come to joint level strength the Zoom class that I run twice a week and they've said that is not a stretching class I'm like I know we use stretching, but it's not the mainstay. It is a challenging class because it's joint strength Yeah, meaning you're gonna be working hard to get things you don't have Mm -hmm. And when you have ranges that you don't have and you're contracting to get into them man, it's a Mm game-changer so anyways The long and the short of it here, like we could talk for a long time on this and maybe we'll talk more on it depending on what people want to hear about it. But the long and short on mobility training is if you're not teaching your brain how to control those tissues, there's no therapy on earth that's going to make that get completely as good as it's going to be. What's going to be the answer is invariably, are you willing to put in the work to get that range back? Yeah. And by that range back, I'm not talking just getting there, I'm talking having control to get there, move through it and stabilize there. Mm-hmm. So really this is a long topic, we've taken a long time to talk about different um, aspects of it and you know what we can probably talk about three sections of it more in the future which is you know, what should warm up look, look like, what should cool down look like and what should my actual training look like to protect these uh, ranges and make sure that I'm working within where my joint should but at the end of the day execution plays a huge role as well mm-hmm. so two of the best courses that i've ever taken and n1 and frc n1 talks about how do you target each muscle and, and how does the biomechanics actually change the way that you train and then frc talks about okay well here's how we're going to get more range if you need it but here's how you Go about it. Here's the system that you use to create control and strengthen those zones. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the next one that I'm taking is FRA, and that's talking more about assessing where a joint's at and what it needs, which I think is highly impactful.
1: So if we break this down simplistically for some people, say like um, people who do shorter ranges, like are only like half contractions on exercise, say if some guy's doing a pull-up, But he's only doing you know like the half pull-ups like just kind of the top half or his strong half because if he goes all the way down into a relaxed dead hang that he's not going to have the juice like that's it that's the discrepancy between his passive and active right like he can passively sit in a dead hang but he doesn't have the active strength to pull out of it and get back into that top half strong range
0: is that kind of what we're talking about here yeah that's exactly it like let's say that oh I, I, my hamstrings aren't very flexible it's like, okay well there's a lot of reasons why that could be the case and the biggest thing to understand is that it's typically the joint on one or, or the other side saying listen keep those tight because I need the control hmm so if you want to improve range or you need a range you've identified that you need it for something that you do um, figuring out how to actively get there's key and you know in a lot of ways getting there passively first if you can get there perfect Next thing is isometric, so squeeze the muscle. Next thing is set that up so that it's challenging and you can lower into the position you need and then start lifting out and lowering back in and turning it into a full on exercise.
1: Yeah, and then in the same breath of like, let's just continue down this chin up path. If some guys essentially just pump in the top half of his chin ups, that's not necessarily gonna make that whole structure tighter per se. He's just strengthening that one, that one specific range it's not tightening him up like if you did half range bicep curls you're not jacking your bicep up so it's tighter 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 tissue it's more just like you're just not gaining the strength that's going to unlock those ranges at the, like those uh, those longer end range
0: yeah absolutely it's it's building a comfort zone and you're gonna go towards your comfort zone we know this mm-hmm. so it's not necessarily that person's gonna tighten up but it's gonna be if he's hanging guess where he's gonna choose to be so it's, it's one of these games where, you know, partial ranges aren't bad, especially if you're training both ends. Partial ranges are actually incredibly useful, mm-hmm. but you should be training the muscle in its full range. And the full range of the lat is really, um, you know, the chin-up would be a bad example on that one. It would be like rhomboids in there, uh, lats at the very bottom maybe. But you know, the big thing that we'd look at is, you know, what is, if you're trying to get length of that muscle, what does the muscle actually do? Mm. And that's when having a coach is super valuable. That's when it starts getting to be a little bit more challenging because, you know, a lot of the pull downs and, and things that you see people doing for their lats are really not working the lat very well. Yeah. So.
1: So let's take another example then. Let's say like a stiff leg or a straight leg deadlift. Yeah. So just a barbell stiff leg deadlift, you know when i'm coaching that like i think everybody has a different stiff leg range because uh, everyone has different like you know variability in the tightness of their hamstring or when they reach that like tight sensation so you know somebody who has extremely flexible hamstrings and very like and strong in that range too because they can access it right like if somebody's doing like three sets of 10 of a straight leg deadlift and they're going all the way down to their maximum ability and like they feel their hamstring stretch Essentially that strengthening that end range that you're talking about.
0: Yeah. Well, and it, that's positionally dependent again But you know at a, in a Romanian deadlift if you identify their the range you're looking for you want to see full flexion of the hip mm-hmm. So most people will have to bend their knees to get into the full flexion of the hip and then you you Really want to make sure that that person is accessing the hamstring and the meat of the hamstring Which is higher up towards the glute when they feel the stretch just down by the knee that's that's tenderness yeah, so but it's the, exact, it's the exact thing we're talking about. We want to address that tissue in its full length, right? And we we're.
1: I'm just kind of talking shop now, even though we're still talking mobility, but just talking shop around mobility. The article that we were reading, we were reading the same article on eccentrics, and it's talking about how, to my knowledge, it was talking about how eccentric loading or negative loading, um, essentially kind of it works the brain differently than, right. a, than a concentric lift. So doing the positive versus the negative works the brain a little bit differently and they were talking about eccentrics in regards to injury prevention and getting the brain to communicate with that tissue more effectively is that potentially because like you can overload the eccentric so it's like they didn't really discuss overloading the eccentric in the article to my knowledge when i read through it but you know, they, they have that, what's that machine right now? Like the EXX, the flywheel? EXX flywheel or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my Cairo, Dr. Ray Ray from Dynamic, put me on that bad boy a couple times. And it sucks, but everything is overloaded in it. So, like, you, it's it's like, think of it like a cable machine that you pull it. And when you pull it, like a row or a dumbbell row or a cable, like a seated row, it's the tension that you give, it almost gives it to you back to twice fold and you can't hold on to it. Like you can't sit in the back swing. So it's like constantly overloading that eccentric.
0: Those were made for space. So in the space race, they started learning really early that athletes, when you take them out of loading, because they're- You told me this, but go yeah, on. It's a good one. W- when you take them out of loading and they don't have anything that's on their bones or on their, their muscles as far as challenge because they're weightless. There's no gravity their bone density changes incredibly quickly and so does their muscular strength and, and ability, right? So they atrophy like crazy. And the, the astronauts that they first sent up when they came back to Earth, they were a mess. So Pere Tesh was involved with the space race and, and he's one of the guys that's credited with flywheel technology. But what they discovered is when they first sent them back up, they gave them isokinetic machines, so it would be like push this hydraulic out, pull this hydraulic back. So it was all concentric. Yeah, yeah. And it almost didn't stop the changes that they were experiencing. They're still losing muscle, like still tons. Bone density yeah. is dropping. So they made flywheel technology for astronauts so that they could have an eccentric contraction, mm-hmm. and they they stemmed a lot of it. They stopped it, and so what they discovered is a lot of the metabolism metabolites and and changes that happen adaptation into exercise is in the eccentric phase yeah it tends to be way stronger like up to 40 percent stronger than the concentric meaning the lifting phase yeah um so can you get your brain to respond faster yeah you can you can get the brain to really kick in because that's that's the zone of deceleration that's what saves you right Mm -hmm. so there's a reason that you're stronger there Um, So flywheel technology is a great example of yeah, the eccentric is super valuable and Isometric in the end range is what you're gonna use first because you don't have control there when you're it's just passive Eccentric because it's stronger to get your brain to understand what it is And the last thing that you start adding is your concentrics and liftoffs because then you actually have some strength there to work, right? Yeah, so This is a very vast oversimplification, but sometimes, you know, when we talked about this for a long time, both you and me are like, well, okay, I don't just want to put out into the ether, well, this isn't what you should do. Uh, I wanted to put out like, this is what you do. So literally, I talk to my clients all the time about, okay, here's what we find first. We find awareness. Okay, we access something and then we're going to build control figure out what that control looks like. And then on that control, we start building performance around it. And that is a mainstay in almost all the training I do. And that's that's where rehab and performance training overlap. That's where my Olympic lifters and my back pain clients, they their programs are very similar because we're developing the ability to control tissues.
1: Yeah. And I, I want to, even for myself, as much as for any potential listeners, I want to kind of like paint a word picture on like why biomechanics or like how you actually execute and set up the exercise is so important and an easy one for me to think about anyways would be like a hamstring curl like a seated hamstring curl is in a position where you can almost get a full stretch or a full lengthening on the hamstring whereas like a line hamstring curl where you have less hip flexion like your legs are no longer bent at the hip um like in a prone hamstring curl where you're lying down, you're not going to be able to
0: get your hamstrings at like a full tilt stretch, full lengthening, correct? That's right. But the other thing is like exercise selection is a big deal for sure. And the other end is execution. So like the first 15 degrees from straight leg to bent is mostly gastroc. Your like calves. calves. Yeah. So your hamstring really doesn't start kicking in until about 15 degrees. I didn't know that. So if we want to Bias the hamstrings and actually work the hamstrings. We can do a few things we could work Through the range just and stop before that 15 degrees In fact, if you want really sore calves go to a hamstring curl and only do from straight leg to 15 degrees over and over Your calves will get smoked.
1: Well, I knew like my calves were getting smoked when I was doing Nordic curls But I just assumed it was just because that entire chain was getting tugged on really hard Like I was like man that whole chain is getting ripped apart So like it makes sense that you know, it's all kind of working as a team, but yeah, I'm assuming the Nordic curl has uh, some effect on the gastroc.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Especially from straight leg, that first 15 degrees. Yeah. That's why it's so good for the knee, because the gastroc and the hamstring crisscross in the back of your knee, and they really give it some support. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but let's say let's say you did a nice slow first 15 degrees, and then speed it up. That's going to bias the hamstring more. Let's say you do a full rep and then just a partial without the 15 degrees. That'll bias the hamstring more. So that's a simple execution thing that doesn't really change the exercise much, but it totally changes the exercise. Yeah. So these things, you know, talking about here's how you would build control in a zone that you don't have, or let's say it's a zone that you already have, but you don't own, um, figuring out how to control those ranges better is going to give your joints more support. And then you're going to find that you get less tight muscles. So there's this kind of overlap that I see between FRC and N1, whereas N1 is talking about here's how you target a specific muscle so that we can move through its full range, which is going to make the joint happy. FRC is more like, okay, let's do our controlled articular rotations, our joint circles. Let's establish our end ranges with pails and rails, progressive and regressive angular isometric lifts or or loads, sorry. Um, And so they're really going joint level, whereas N1 is going more Let's figure out how this muscle moves the joint properly so that we're not giving it undue stress in vectors that it doesn't need.
1: Yeah. We're going to have to wrap this up real quick. Um, A summary for me, though, is like, you know, all of this is so new. Like you said, they haven't, like, done many studies on, like, FRC and things like that as of
0: yet because it's a relatively newer system. Yeah, you're not going to see too many studies on, like, uh, controlled articular rotations, but we've gone through a a bunch of the studies on... um, proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation which is what they call pales and rails pnf so lots of pnf stretching is well backed yeah Um, eccentrics are well backed this is actually a meta-analysis that we're looking at of of many studies yeah and then isometrics are well backed one of the only contractions that really doesn't cause inflammation joint level yeah Um, so when you put it all together it actually has a ton of research behind it and that's why it came into being yeah um but all of it put together what does it do for the athlete versus just one they haven't done a lot on that yeah so that's where i was going
1: with it as i read a meta-analysis this morning that was talking about like what's better like stretching like static stretching to increase range of motion or strength training and it went over like 50 different like uh researches think like, from different universities and stuff and it's like the conclusion is like the conclusion is you know they both kind of work a little bit you know some better than others and you know all the tests were a little bit different like we're not 100 percent sure like for me there's just never been this is a hundred percent the perfect answer for the entire population everyone
0: go get fit now Yeah, I don't think that that's ever going to be the case because you need to treat people like a number of one. You need to treat them as an individual and they're going to have different answers based on their own limitations. But I find it really interesting in the fitness world. There's people that are like, oh, it has to be functional. There's people that are like, well, it has to be isolation. It's like, you know, the answer is going to be somewhere in the middle, right? Like if you used both of them for their most value, it's kind of like Bruce Lee, man. Take the most value and leave behind the stuff that doesn't have any. Like that's if we used that more we would see a lot better results with people do you want to rename the podcast somewhere in the middle (laughs) somewhere (laughs) stuck in the middle with you well do you want to summarize that at all or do you think you're you're happy now end of the day when it comes to mobility there's a lot of stuff being spouted out there a lot of random activities that you see first thing is assess what you need the next step is control and strengthen that zone. You don't wanna just get to the point where it's like, well, I have that range. And so we can do that with you know our passive stretching, with our active stretching. We can do that with isometrics, eccentrics, and then full movements. But at the end of the day, all of this needs to be put together in a way that you know what you're going after. And when that happens, that's, that's really where the results are, are had in my view. Have you experienced any different there, Mr. Berg? No, I was going to wrap it up differently.
1: Wrap it up, I want to hear it. Because I already feel like we did a good job of summarizing it, so I'm like pretty much...
0: Give me a wrap-up. I want to hear it.
1: Yeah, like, well, are you good? You done? I'm I'm good, wrap. All right, my wrap-up is uh, obviously... Um, You can catch Fitness or Fiction every Monday morning on our audio podcast, Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts. We're also on YouTube. That releases typically around 9 a.m. And it's really important that everyone knows Curtis absolutely hates static stretching. So make sure to leave him some comments in the YouTube and light him up on Instagram for being a static stretching hater. And uh, we love you guys and we'll see you on the next episode. (laughs) Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for joining us this week. We appreciate your support. If you enjoy this episode, we'd love it if you would subscribe, follow, and throw us a like on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts.